morning, Mission View Church. Hey, if you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with me to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, we'll start this morning in verse 17. Can you have too much of a good thing? Can you have too much of a good thing? If you've ever gone to dinner with me, you know what I'm getting to drink. Coke with a lemon. Now, some people don't understand the phenomena, and I just promise you, it will change your life. There's just something about the wonderful citrusy goodness that the lemon provides. You take the lemon, you don't squeeze it, you merely take it, you jab it with the straw, make sure it goes all the way down to the bottom, and then it comes back up to the top, and just it infiltrates the entire the entire glass of Coke, and it is incredibly delicious. And when a restaurant has Pepsi products, I question their discernment. I'll still eat there, but there's just my favorite beverage by far, and what I'm going to get every time we go to dinner is Coke with lemon. It is great. A couple years ago, I took a bunch of students to the Coke Museum during a trip we were at in, in Atlanta. And, and the best part of the Coke Museum is the last part because there's just unlimited Coke. Every type of beverage they manufacture, you get these little cups and you just keep going up to the fountain and you just keep refilling your cup and in all of their flavors, hundreds of flavors from across the world, all of it available to you, all of it unlimited and I just started downing, just started downing Coke because I, I just I love it. Might have a slight problem, but just drank it and drank it and drank it. And at first, it's like, oh, this is incredible. This is great. And then after a while, you're like, okay, I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, feeling a little bit different, but I'll keep going. Why not? And so you keep going. And by the end, you're like, hmm, yeah, I overdid it a little bit. But luckily, you've got all the caffeine in you that, that you're not having the, the downfall right away. And so we got on back onto the tour bus that we were on, and, and we, were, we were caught in traffic because President Obama was, was, visiting, was visiting Atlanta at that time. And we had a tour bus full of teenagers who had just consumed as much or more caffeine than myself. And so they're just destroying things because that's what teenagers do, and that's especially what teenagers do after they've consumed large amounts of caffeine. And, and so all of a sudden, I'm just hit with it, I'm just hit with it. The caffeine high, it starts to go off, and I just feel miserable. And all the effects of drinking like two gallons of Coke that I just consumed in the last hour are starting to just impact me, and I just felt miserable. And so we, we went to the Cheesecake Factory for dinner that night, and and. We went in, and, and Brooke was pregnant with Ethan at the time. She, she wasn't with us. And so I, I looked at somebody, and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to use, go use the restroom because after you drink two gallons of Coke, you, you just have to pee. And I'm like, just go ahead and, and order me my drink. And they're like, oh, Coke with lemon? I said, water. I don't even want to think about drinking another Coke right now. You ever had too much of a good thing? Maybe it's Coke. <laughs> Maybe it's your favorite food. Maybe it's time with somebody you really love. What? This morning as we look at Proverbs 25, beginning in verse 17, and we're going to be looking at friendship, we see an interesting dynamic right off the bat. This is what we find. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house. 
lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Now, we're going to look at four principles today. And out of the four, this is the only one that even has any positive implication. Now, here's the positive implication. The positive implication is that if you don't overdo it, if you don't spend too much time, then you won't be hated. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have a spill of you and hate you. But this is, this is the trouble with this, is friendship takes time. It takes time to develop. Henry Cloud, in his incredible book, Boundaries, writes this, all friendships need to be based on attachment, or they have a shaky foundation. All friendships need to be based on attachment, or they have a shaky foundation. Well, how do you develop attachment? You develop attachment around things that, that are like-minded in. How do you discover things you're like-minded in? You spend time together. You talk about them. Malcolm Gladwell in his book Tipping Point writes this, To be someone's best friend requires a minimum investment of time. More than that, though, it takes emotional energy. Caring about someone deeply is exhausting. It's exhausting. And so if we're going to be good friends, which we should strive to be as followers of Jesus, and if we're going to have good relationships, which we, should, which we also should strive for as followers of Jesus, then it is essential that we establish and respect boundaries in our lives. We establish and respect boundaries in our lives. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Don't allow your love for one another, your desire to be together, your desire to, to take that attachment to another level, develop into resentment. And we've all had relationships where this has occurred. You find yourself surrounded by somebody and you legitimately like them, but the more you're surrounded by them, the more you're like, I need some space. And so in friendships, you just kind of take a little bit more time before you get together. If you're dating, it gets really difficult. That's, that's a difficult area to try to maneuver. The I really like you, but you're suffocating me. So what do you do? either break up, you allow the suffocation to fester, and then it just, there's this tension, but that tension leads to a resolution, either the end of the relationship or boundaries are established. Boundaries are established. You want great friendships? Establish and respect boundaries. Establish and respect boundaries. Now, this can, be, this can be incredibly difficult to do. This can be hard. And so, how do we 
establish and respect boundaries without seeming as though we're rejecting the other person. Let me help. So you've established your boundary. You've, you've spent X amount of time, and it's different for everybody else. I can't give you a formula for you. I wish I could. I wish I could be like, no more than four hours a week. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's different based on your place in life. It's different based on just what your emotional needs are. It's, it's based on your circle of friends. So there's, there's no one right answer for this, and, and that makes it a little bit difficult. But, but in another sense, that makes it incredibly freeing, that it's whatever it is for you. And so you need to sit down and you need to determine how much time do I have to, to give and to spend in this area, and then then when that allotment of time is, has been met, you need to cut it off. And so if somebody calls you up and a good friend calls you up and says, hey, let's go grab dinner on Friday, but your allotment of the time for the week is spent, don't just say no. Because if you say no, they feel rejected. They're like, oh, am I not loved? And some people, they could care less. But some people, they they legitimately, they personalize that and it legitimately hurts them. And so here's, here's a good way. And, and ladies, listen, if a guy asks you out and, and you want to go out with him, but you're not free, do this. Because if you just say no, he's probably going to be gone, at least for the foreseeable future, unless he's a glutton for punishment. And then you just got to wonder, do you really want to date him anyways? So listen, if you like him and if you, if you think, yeah, I, I would like to go out, but you just happen to legitimately be busy and you're not just using that, oh, I'm busy, I don't know with what, I'm just busy not with you. But if you're legitimately busy and your friendships incorporate this as well, if your allotment of time is met, instead of just saying no, offer an alternative. Hey, can we grab dinner Friday? I can't Friday. What about next Thursday? What about next Friday? Transition that time to a place where you have a time allowance available to the other person. But establish and respect boundaries. If you want healthy friendships, don't monopolize and don't allow yourself to be monopolized. Establish and respect those boundaries in your life. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. The liar is an instrument of destruction. The liar is an instrument for destruction. Lies will devastate relationships. Lies will devastate relationships. They'll devastate marriages. They'll devastate friendships. They'll devastate working relationships. Every relationship you can fathom, lies will destroy and devastate. 
And what I find interesting is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. That man is like a sword. You're a liar. You're the instrument of destruction. You. You lie. You destroy. And we can rationalize. We can talk about intentions. But the liar is an instrument destruction. This is why Ephesians 4 is, is so crucial. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. What I know oftentimes is, is people mean well. People mean well. They don't want to hurt somebody else. And they find that the truth is, is damaging or hurtful or, or it's just going to lead to a fight. And so in an effort to avoid that, in an effort to appease the other individual's feelings, they lie. They lie. But in the process they don't understand is that their good intentions have turned them into an instrument of destruction. The truth is always the best. The truth is always the best. And I know that we live in a society that wants to be told that everyone wants to be told how great they are all the time. And nobody wants to be criticized. Everybody wants to just hear that they've, they've done just the most amazing thing ever. And I understand that as we navigate our way through that, it, it sometimes is a, is a little dangerous. This isn't a new problem. Josh Billings, who was a contemporary of, of Mark Twain and one of the great three American humorists, stated this, As scarce as truth is, the supply has always been an excess of the demand. As scarce as truth is, the supply has always been an excess of the demand. So people love to speak the truth in certain situations. But they don't love to hear the truth. And as Christ followers, we need to be lovers of truth. We need to speak the truth in love, following Ephesians 4.15, but we also need to receive the truth in love. And the only way that's possible, the only way we will get to a place where we really love to receive the truth in love, because None of us are perfect, and all of us have areas we need to grow and develop and be challenged in, and the only way we will really learn to receive the truth in love is for us to finally understand that our significance does not come in what you think of me. 
Our significance does not come in our achievements. Our significance does not come in how big our bank account is. Our significance comes in the fact that God created us, God loves us, and God desires a relationship with us. And that must be the source of our significance. And until that is the source of our significance, we will not receive the truth in love. And if we do not receive the truth in love, we're hindering ourselves. Speak the truth in love. Receive the truth in love. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword. Or a sharp arrow. Trusting in a treacherous man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. Trusting in a treacherous man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. You ever have a cavity? After you go to the Coke Museum, you will. First, it's just a, a slight discomfort. Put it off because you don't have dental insurance, or you do have dental insurance, you just hate the dentist. Pain, it, it, it just starts to magnify, starts to grow. You find yourself chewing everything on the other side of your mouth. You finally go to the dentist. They shoot you with Novocaine can't feel anything, you're slobbering all over yourself, you're talking really funny, your friends are jerks so they're making fun of you the whole time, then you think a couple hours later, oh okay, I, I have feeling in my face again, that's good, I'm no longer drooling on myself, I'll go ahead and eat something, you take that first bite and you realize, oh, I'm still in a lot of pain from where they put the filling in, your teeth hit for the first time and just send shockwaves all throughout your face and so you find yourself chewing on the other side of your mouth for the next three days. You're just worried. And then the feeling, it feels a little soft in there, and it just feels weird. It changes how you eat. Put all your food on, on the other side of your mouth. You ever messed up your leg? Sudden, before you know it, you got a crutch looking like Tiny Tim. Because your leg isn't strong anymore. And you have to transfer all your weight. Because your leg's weak. Or maybe, maybe you're like, ah, I'm not real big on crutches. I want to go a little more high class. So you break out the scooter. And then you can get around pretty good. But that leg's still weak. You can't put any weight on it. Can't count on it. We avoid the weakness. We avoid the weakness. Be careful who you trust.
Be careful who you trust. Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. It will weaken you and it will alter you. careful who you place your trust in. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. And like vinegar on soda. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. And like vinegar and soda. You ever been in that situation? Romans 12:15 tells us this: Rejoice with those who rejoice. Have joy with those who are joyous. Be excited for those who are excited. Celebrate with those who are celebrating. Rejoice with those who rejoice. What's that mean? Well, what it means is that even if we're at a place in our life where things aren't going great, we set that aside because we value the other person to the place that we celebrate in their achievement. We celebrate in their success. We lay aside our own, our own desires, we lay aside our, our, own, our own thoughts and feelings, and we embrace theirs, and we join them in that. We're joined together. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It goes on to say mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. So if even everything in your life is great and things are fantastic and it just seems like you've hit your stride and, and life is going great and, and things couldn't be any better. But your friend is in a struggle. They're in a trial. They're in a heartache. And they're hurting. What we're called to do is similarly to lay aside our joy and to join them in that process and to walk through that valley. Don't approach somebody who's mourning in a jovial spirit. Don't be that person. Thinks, oh, your, your world seems like it's going to end. You just had a really bad breakup, but let me sing you a song. I just want to punch you in the face, and rightfully so. And your intention, your intention may be pure. 
You, you probably didn't set out when you started the day to think, how can I be the most annoying influence in their day today? You probably didn't set out to start your day that way unless it's family. And then if it's family, I understand starting out your day that way. But generally, in other communications, in other personal relationships, you don't start out the day thinking, hmm, how can I make them sorry to see me today? How can I really annoy them? Pick your spots. Empathize. Put yourself in their shoes. Don't annoy them. You want to be a good friend? You want to be a really good friend? You want to have really good friends? Then try your best. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. That's the key to being a good friend. That in your relationships, you don't view everything of how do I view this? Or how does this work best for me? But rather you view things of if I'm this person, how do I feel? You know what's so difficult about that? makes us die to ourselves. It makes us elevate others. And that's why it's so difficult. That's why it's so great. All your kids are in children's ministry right now, and if they're not, just put the earmuffs on, on the little ones that you have with you. But I wanted to do something just so incredible. But I thought we might get kicked out of Hoover Hall and never be allowed back. Have you ever seen what happens when you put vinegar and baking soda into a water bottle? Oh. It's incredible. I would have ruined thousands of dollars of equipment. I would have ruined wardrobes of the first five rows. I would have had so much fun. I chose not to do it. But later, just YouTube it. And then go outside and have a lot of fun. But there's a chemical reaction when vinegar meets the baking soda. And you can shake it up in your hand, but you might not want to do that too much because the bottle will blow up in your hand and you could get injured. Disclaimer, Mission View Church is not liable for any scientific experiments. Do not try it at home. Don't try it at home. The chemical reaction. And when you fail to put yourself in someone else's shoes, and they're rejoicing in your mourning, and they're having a great time, and you're like, woe is me. Life's difficult. I don't want that. Why? There's a chemical reaction. Subsequently, when, when you're like, oh, I'm really struggling. And your friend's like, life has never been so good. 
I'm going to update Facebook every 10 seconds. I haven't been on for 10 months because my life has sucked. But I am going to update Facebook every 10 seconds to do my humble brags and tell you how awesome my life is. A friend who's mourning is like, see this right now. You want to be a good friend? Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like the one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Like vinegar on soda. It's uncomfortable. Undressing on a cold day, you're freezing. And it's volatile. The chemicals are mixed. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Pick your spots. And develop a social IQ. And if you struggle in that area, then ask somebody really close to you who actually has a social IQ to help you out. See, we're designed to live in community. That's God's design for us. We're designed to be invested in the lives of one another. And so how do we do this to the best of our ability? We establish and respect boundaries. That's where it starts. It starts with you. Establish boundaries in your life. Live up to them. Respect other people's boundaries. Embrace the truth. Speak the truth in love. Receive the truth in love. Be careful who you trust. Be careful who you trust. The treacherous will weaken you. And put yourself in someone else's shoes, realizing it's not all about you. And when we do, we receive the blessing of community and friends that make our lives fuller as God intended. God, I pray that you'd help us as we live together. I pray, God, that we would establish boundaries in our lives, that we would respect boundaries, that we would speak the truth, that we would receive the truth, that we would be lovers of truth, that our significance would not come from what other people think of us, it would come from 
We see ourselves in relation to you, a God who loves us. God, I pray that we would just be careful with who we, who we trust. And we make wise choices with the people we allow in our lives. That we'd find people of character and integrity. And God, that we would put ourselves in others' shoes. Laying aside our needs, the needs of others. Oh, and God, I pray that you would bless us with rich friendships and community. In your Son, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.